Thank you for joining us for Breakthrough with Pastor Jason Stanford. Breakthrough is a place where you can find community, encounter Jesus, and discover purpose. Please take a moment to like and subscribe so you don't miss a single message. Let's go straight into the service recorded at Breakthrough Church in Cookville, Tennessee. Enjoy. As they do that, if you have your Bibles or your phone, tablet, whatever, or you can just look on the screen, James chapter 1 will be our main text this morning. James chapter 1. Hallelujah. As we go into this new year, I felt kind of quickened here in this passage to speak on it. And I want to speak about developing self-control. Developing self-control. I know. If I'd have sent that title out yesterday, there'd been far less people here today. I understand that. <laughs> Amen. I might not have showed up myself. I don't know, you know. <laughs> Glory to God. But you know, we're rolling into a new year. And with that, we always got these new ideas of how things are going to be better and we're going to do this differently. And, you know, the things that might have tripped us up this past year aren't going to trip us up this year. And maybe some things we, we, we really know are good to do that we should do, you know, exercise or eat better that, that were good intentions but never really became good actions. And yet this year we don't want them just to be good intentions. We want them to become good actions. Well, what do we need in life? We need self-control. If you want to stop doing something you've been doing and start doing something you haven't done, then you need to do that. Amen? Glory be to God. See Joel sitting back there. He's going to put that video together. Thank you for putting that video together. Glory be to God. And we need to develop that into our lives. And so what could help us do that? What could help us walk with greater self-control in our lives? Spiritually speaking, we don't want to maybe do some things we have done. Maybe in your life you say, you know what, there's some things that have tripped me up this past year that I don't want to trip me up with God this year. We need self-control. Maybe there's some things in your life you say, you know what, I haven't implemented into my life, maybe some spiritual disciplines or something, that this year, you know what, I want to introduce spiritual disciplines in my life. And, or maybe I want to take those things to a greater level in my life than they have been then it's going to take self-control. Why? Because your flesh isn't going to do any of those things. And so here in James chapter 1, <clears throat> verse number 19, it says this, This you know, my beloved brethren, but everyone must be quick to hear, slow to speak, and slow to anger. For the anger of man does not achieve the righteousness of God. Therefore, putting aside all filthiness and all that remains of wickedness, in humility receive the word implanted, which is able to save your souls. But prove yourselves doers of the word, not merely hearers who delude themselves. For if anyone is a hearer of the word and not a doer, he is like a man who looks at his natural face in a mirror. For once he has looked at himself and gone away, he has immediately forgotten what kind of person he was. But one who looks intently at the perfect law, the law of liberty, and abides by it, not having become a forgetful hearer, but an effectual doer, this man will be blessed in what he does. If anyone thinks himself to be religious, and yet does not bridle his tongue, but deceives his own heart, this man's religion is worthless." 
Pure and undefiled religion in the sight of our God and, fathers is, and Father is this, to visit orphans and widows in their distress and to keep oneself unstained by the world. Hallelujah. Developing self-control. What are some truths from this passage as we sort of just work through it? Well, we realize here in verse 21, it says, therefore, or as a result of what came before it, what does it say to do? Put aside all filthiness and all, listen, that remains of wickedness. Now, he's writing to believers. He's writing to Christians. He's writing to people that believe that Jesus is the Messiah and that he has come and he's coming again. They're born again. And yet he says this to them, put away all filthiness, uh, put away all, all that, listen, remains of wickedness. That leads me to a very important truth here. It teaches me in a very important truth. That salvation doesn't mean we are a finished product. Salvation doesn't mean we are a finished product. They're saved. They're born again. He's, he's, writing, to this, he's writing to an audience like we were in, in a sense. I mean, he's saying things to the church. And all these thousand years later, these, these words are still written for us, for our example, for our education and our information and our transformation. And this is a truth that James is trying to get across. Salvation doesn't mean we're a finished product. You're saved, praise God. You receive Jesus, glory be to God. Most important thing you can do. But you've got to realize that doesn't mean you're a finished product. It doesn't mean that all of a sudden all your behavior is just the way exactly as it should be. He even says to them, this does not achieve the righteousness of God, he says to them. Just because you and I have, have become righteous in our hearts before God, now we've got to realize we must be righteous in our behavior before God. So salvation doesn't mean we're a finished product. And that's important for us to understand because it's going to take self-control to train ourselves, our flesh, to, to take it back from its natural tendencies and the tendencies it's always had and however long we've lived our life before we encountered Jesus Christ and became saved and became following, began to follow Him and be transformed by Him, it has had its own way of doing things. And some of those things may not be God's way of doing, those thing, doing things. And so we've got to rein that back in. And so you and I have to have this posture in our hearts. And He says this in verse 19. He says to them, this you know, my beloved brethren. In other words, he's saying to them, understand this or know this, my brothers and sisters. Uh, some translations will say it that way, understand this. Meaning this is a point of understanding that you and I most certainly need in our lives. What is he wanting us to understand? What was he wanting them to understand? What is the Spirit of God trying to convey through James? He says this, this you know or understand this, my beloved brethren, but everyone must be quick to hear, slow to speak, slow to anger, for the anger of man does not achieve the righteousness of God. So talk about developing self-control. And as we unpack that, we, we see here that there's an example of where we need self-control in our lives. James says we should be quick to hear. Why do you think he might tell people they need to be quick to hear, slow to speak, uh, and slow uh, to get angry? Because 
For the old man, it's often the opposite of that, isn't it? It's slow to hear and quick to speak and quick to get angry. But James is saying there's a new way in Jesus. You need to let the Word of God transform your life into this way. Here's a phrase I want you to remember. Evaluate instead of escalate. Evaluate instead of escalate. Now, we're going to talk about self-control, and this, this applies to a myriad of ways in our life. But one of the ways that certainly does apply in our life, and certainly in context here, is in relationships, right? And in communication with one another. And I want you to remember that phrase, evaluate instead of escalate. What does it mean to listen? Quick to hear or to listen. Swift to hear, swift to listen. To take in, to receive what is being said. Well, that takes some diligence and choice on our, our behalf to actually receive information. Listening, uh, hearing is not just about, I heard you say something. Listening is about evaluating what has been said. And yet many times, if we're not careful in relationships, we'll be the opposite, right? We're already thinking about our reply before the other person is done talking. We know what we want to say. Well, we're not, we're not quick to listen here. We're being quick to speak. We might even interrupt. We might jump in there. We might just be upset. And all of a sudden, if we, if we choose to not listen, in other words, not evaluate, instead, what's going to happen? If we're quick to speak and quick to be tampered, what's going to happen? We're going to escalate the situation. We're going to escalate the situation. Listen, I most likely believe that you understand what I'm talking about most likely with firsthand knowledge. Not saying why that might have been the case. Not going there. But most, most of at some point, we've probably been a part of that where we escalated the situation. And really we should have evaluated instead of escalated. But when you and I are quick-tempered, instead of a quick hearer, we'll escalate the situation. And this is why there are cycles that people get in, in relationships, right? I mean, you get triggered, you get this, you get that, and, and all of a sudden, here we are, we're in this cycle. But somewhere, we got to say, no, 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 stop it, I'm going to listen, I'm going to hear, and then I'm going to respond. Slow to speak, slow to anger. Now, it, it's, not that, uh, it's not that being angry is wrong or sinful. It even says, be angry and sin not, and all these things. Emotions, let's put it this way, a lot of times we hear about negative emotions. You know, emotions become negative emotions when they lead us to negative actions in our life. Does that make sense? And you and I might be upset about something or angry about something, but the question is, what do we do after that? You can, you can experience all ranges of emotions and do things you should not do. You can find out, listen, you can find out you didn't get that promotion. You can find out somebody did you dirty. You can find out this and that and get disappointed or sad or mad. And then you know what? Go out and do something you shouldn't do. <laughs> Go out and take some action that you know is not the way of Jesus in your life. Well, what happened? Was it the emotion? It, no, no. You allowed it to be a negative emotion because it led you to a negative action. You see what I'm saying? And you, he is saying here we need to develop self-control in our lives. Why? So we don't allow our emotions to rule our lives or to lead us to take a negative action. 
It shouldn't be the leader of our life. The Word of God should be the leader of our life. He should be the leader of our life. We don't need to let our emotions change us. We need to let the Word change us. We don't, know, we don't need to necessarily be a doer of what this quote-unquote emotion wants us to do, but be a doer of what the Word wants us to do in this situation, which might mean we have to override our emotion in this situation. You see what I'm saying? It can lead us to some negative actions. We can get mad and frustrated and angry, and then we say, oh, why do you want to be slow to speak? Because we all know when you're upset and you're angry, you're much more likely to say things that you know you shouldn't have said and you didn't mean to say. I didn't really mean it like that. I always tell couples when going through premarital counseling before they're being married, and we'll, we'll talk, obviously we're going to talk about communication. And, I, and I'll often say, and, it, and, it, and, and, I, and the Lord showed this to me one day, many, 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 many years ago, and, and um, about being very careful with words uh, in, the con- in the context all the time. We should always be careful with words, just to be honest with you, because your words are very powerful things. But, but in the context of relationship, be very careful with words. You need to keep... And the, what the Lord said to me, uh, or showed me one day, was this. You might say things you quote-unquote didn't mean. And, and honestly, He just showed this to me. I don't even remember any particular incident. And, and, but maybe it was even somebody I was dealing with in a situation. I don't, a counseling thing. I don't know. But the Lord showed this to me. He says... Tell people to be very careful with their words because what happens is, even if they go back and they say, I'm sorry, I didn't mean it, and they forgive, and all these kinds of things, and they didn't, maybe they really just really didn't really mean that. Maybe they, you know, I understand that. They're just mad in the moment, right? Anger, and that leads us to say things we didn't mean to say. But here's the problem with that. Maybe you didn't really mean it, but once it left your lips, now the enemy can use it. And the Lord actually showed this to me. He says, maybe, maybe a person didn't mean it. Maybe you wouldn't mean it. The problem is, it's not about what you meant. It's about what you said. And every person on this planet has someone called the accuser of the brethren. <laughs> it's the devil. That's what he's called in Revelation, the accuser of the brethren. There's an enemy. And he'll take whatever word someone says to somebody else. And he'll whisper that in their ear. Even if you didn't mean it. A year, two years later, you never even said another word like it. He'll take it and still bring it up in their minds. Why? He wants to defeat them. He wants to trap them. And he wants to use it against them. And if that person doesn't do a good job with their thought life and take that thought captive and not say, no, that's not true. That was there. That's gone. If they dwell on that, then it'll begin to affect their life negatively and will affect the relationship negatively. And so in the middle of uh, counseling there, I'll tell people, listen, in your midst of disagreement and talking about it, be very careful what you say. Be very careful how you say. Because it, it, even if you didn't really mean it, the problem is there's somebody that's going to use it against them in the future. The enemy will use it. So don't give him any ammunition. Amen? This is why he says, be quick to hear, slow to speak, slow to anger. This one time the, the Lord... He did say this to me about, about the situation. You know how it is as a parent. You're raising a family and things happen. And you know what? When you become a parent, you forget how you were as a kid. Anybody ever had that problem? <laughs> you know what I'm saying? All of a sudden, you know, like, why in the world did you do that? As if you never did these same things as a kid. You know what I'm saying? And, and we just totally forget that. And, um, but one time I got stirred in my heart. 
the Lord was teaching me about how to deal with my children about something. Because inevitably, they do something that costs you money. That's part of being a kid. It's going to cost you money. And it could have been avoided if they just listened to you. But they didn't listen to you. So they didn't just listen to you. Now they cost you money for not listening to you. Again, as a parent, you begin to forget how you were as a kid. Like you didn't do this. We all did this. Well, anyway, the Lord stirred up something. He says, listen, listen, listen. If you'll just handle it my way, you just, you just be in love. That don't mean there's never correction. doesn't mean that. It just means you handle it the right way. Be careful what you say. Be careful how you do it. Be careful. If you just do it my way, I will make sure that whatever need now arises, I'll take care of it. He's our provider, isn't he? So if you'll just, if you'll just respond to them as I would respond to them, if you'll just do that, then listen, I'll take care of whatever extra need, whatever extra expense, whatever occurred here because of this situation. I'll take care of that. You just operate. You be my representation to them. I said, okay, thank you, Lord. And that, that's a good word. Amen. That's a good word for parents, right? Because you can get flustered and you can get upset and you can get mad. And another thing the Lord told me about that is, listen, if you're laughing about something 20 years later, but you weren't laughing about it in the moment, what changed? It's the same thing. Anybody laugh about something now, but you weren't laughing about it when your kid did it. Well, what changed? It's the exact same thing. Time, perspective. It wasn't quite the big ordeal you thought it was, now was it? And the Lord showed me that. It's, that's the same action. But now you laugh about it, and then you weren't laughing. What happened? Your perspective changed. So take my perspective on this. I said, well, thank you, Lord. Amen. Glory be to God. I don't know how I got insane all that, but thanks be to God. Amen. But he says this in verse 20. For the anger of man does not achieve the righteousness of God. Achieve. That sounds like something you'd have to earn, right? But how? Wait a second. We can't earn the righteousness of God. What, what's he talking about here? In fact, we realize in Romans chapter 5, verse 17, it says this. For if by the transgression of the one, death reigned through the one, much more those who receive the abundance of grace... And of the gift of righteousness will reign in life through the one, Jesus Christ. What's that? The gift of righteousness. Some translations, many of them in fact, will say the free gift of righteousness. Because certainly the gift here is free. You didn't earn it. You didn't earn it. What a gift. It's a gift if I earn it. It's like, you know, when you go with those stores and they say, hey, uh, we're going to give you this. Then they tell you, you've got to spend X amount of dollars before they're going to give you this. I'm like, hold on a second. Then you ain't giving me nothing. I mean, I'm helping you make money you know, on this, you know, just to get this thing, you know. But it's the free gift of righteousness. We don't earn that. There's nothing you and I can do to get that. It's a free gift. And it says here, because of that, we will reign in life. And thank God, we like to talk about how we will reign in life. That we're more than conquerors and more than victors, hallelujah. That we'll reign in life. And praise God for that. But listen, friends, in the greater context of things, yes, we'll reign in life over sickness. Reign in life uh, over, over lack. Reign in life over uh, uh, anxiety. We can reign in life over all these different things the enemy will try to come and bring to us. But in context here, it's also talking about reigning in life over this flesh that wants to pull us in a direction that's away from God. You and I can reign in life. This means that our new life in Christ will reign over our old life without Him. And this is very important to know. Because back to James, it says this, for the anger of man does not achieve. What does that word achieve mean? It means to work or to bring about, to result in. 
In other words, the anger of man does not result in the righteousness of God. It's not going to lead you to the righteousness of God. It's not going to lead you to an expression. Many times it does not, hallelujah, lead you that way. It could, but most of the time it leads you away from that. He said it does not accomplish, some translations say, the righteousness or the right standing of God. See, we don't just want to be in right standing with God in our hearts. James is teaching us we want to be in right standing before Him in our behavior also. Righteousness received from our believing should lead us to become righteous in our behavior before Him. We have to train ourselves. When we step outside the line, we've got to correct it. It's kind of like driving a car. You talk about training yourself. Well, how do you train? Well, you make that quick adjustment every time. If you miss it, make a quick adjustment. You ask the Lord, Lord, help me today. Show me, quicken to me if I missed it. And when that happens, get it right right then. Don't wait all the time. Get it right right then. Why? You're training yourself. Why is that important? You're training yourself. You're correcting it before it gets worse. It's kind of like driving driving car. And, and you decided to kind of... You, maybe, you, maybe, maybe you didn't decide this, but you begin to swerve a little bit, right? You begin to veer off course. And you got on the shoulder of the road and got outside the lines. Well, you know, if you pull that car right back in the middle of the lane again, you know what? Praise God. Less damage. No, nothing happened here. Okay, we got that back right. Glory to God. But if you just keep swerving off and you say, you know what? I've already messed up. I'm just, if I've already done it, I might, listen, if I've already sinned, I might as well get all I can get out of it, you know, and keep on, keep on, keep it on. Well, then you end up in the ditch. If you swerve, you've got to take that car and you go off the shoulder a little bit and you just say, you know what? I'm going to keep on going. And well, then you end up in a ditch. Now you've caused much greater damage, much harder to course correct it and get it back. Listen, if you'd just been quick to correct right in the beginning, it'd be much better. Amen? What am I talking about? I'm talking about training our flesh. Yeah, I know how you used to like go over and play in the ditch, but nope, not doing that no more. I know how you like to used to say this. I know how you like to used to pop off. I know how you used to like to use these words. I know how you like to do this. No, training myself. I'm, I'm a new man in Christ Jesus. I'm training myself. Developing self-control. Galatians chapter 5. So let's talk about self-control for a moment. Galatians chapter 5. Hallelujah. Glory be to God. Glory be to God. Galatians chapter 5 says this, But I say, walk in the Spirit, and you will not carry out the desire of the flesh. For the flesh sets its desire against the Spirit, and the Spirit against the flesh. For these are in opposition to one another, so that you may not do the things that you please. But if you are led by the Spirit, you are not under the law. Nor Now the deeds of the flesh are evident, which are immorality, impurity, sensuality, idolatry, sorcery, uh, enmities, strife, jealousy, outburst of anger. So that's a work of our flesh, not a work of the Spirit. It's a fruit of our flesh being expressed. Disputes, dissensions, uh, factions, envy and drunkenness, carousing, and, and these things, of which I forewarn you, just as I forewarn you, that those who practice such things will not inherit the kingdom of God. But verse 22, but the fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness. Now notice this, what? Self-control. Against such things, of course, there is no law. And it says in verse 25 that, now, well, verse 24, now those who belong to Christ Jesus have crucified the flesh with its passions and desires. If we live by the Spirit, let us also walk by the Spirit. Self-control. This speaks, that word speaks to mastering the fleshly desires. 
And that is a fruit of the Spirit. So this truth, self-control is the result of living more influenced by the Spirit than the flesh. It's the result of living more influenced by the Spirit than the flesh. Glory to God. That is a fruit of the Spirit. Hallelujah. There's more to be said here. Thank you, Lord Jesus. So our lives won't automatically be governed differently just because we got saved. Remember, salvation doesn't mean we're a finished product. And self-control is the fruit of allowing our life to be influenced and governed by the Holy Spirit who dwells in our heart, our spirit. It says here, if we live by the Spirit, let us also walk by the Spirit. Praise be to God. So we want to develop self-control. Amen? Glory be to God. The Lord is faithful and the Lord is good. I believe right there is where I, I need to be. Hallelujah. We're going to pick that up next week and finish it out. Amen? To, to developing this more in our lives. Because there are, might very well be some things you want to do this year. You haven't done this past year. The year's past. Well, what will get you there? Self-control. Self-discipline. Right. In every one of our lives in a greater way. And that is a byproduct, a fruit of the Holy Spirit. Amen? And so we'll talk about this because Peter also mentioned self-control as something that we need to add to our lives. So obviously you have two different authors in the New Testament writing to the church prompted by the Holy Spirit that this is something we should know about. If you want to reign in life, as Romans 5.17 says, listen, we must add this to our faith. We must develop this into our lives. Amen? Glory be to God. Hallelujah. Stand with me if you will. Thank you for joining us for today's message. Please take a moment to like, rate, and subscribe. This helps us reach more people with the gospel of Jesus Christ and ensures you will never miss a message. For more information on Breakthrough Church, please check us out on Facebook or email us at info at findbreakthrough.com. Breakthrough is located at 480 Old Kentucky Road in Cookville, Tennessee, and we would love for you to join us in person. Services are at 8.30 and 10.30 on Sunday mornings and 6.30 Wednesday nights. We offer ministry for all ages and look forward to seeing you soon.